Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Bros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester, joined as always by Mike Taglier. You can follow us on Twitter at Bobby Fantasy Pro and at Mike Taglier NFL. We're going to be talking bust today with our guest, Matt Waldman of Football Guys. He's a senior staff writer there and he's on Twitter at his name, Matt Waldman. Matt, thanks for taking the time to come on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Tags, how's it going, buddy? It's going good. My day was going great. Even yesterday it was until I, I talked to my grandpa on the phone and uh, we did a FaceTime thing because he doesn't see me all that often. But uh, he uh, the first thing he says to me, he goes, Mike, you look old. <laughs> that sucks. I'm sorry, man. How do I even respond to that, guys? <laughs> Maybe he's just trying to say you look really wise and you are you are really wise. So I think it was probably a compliment. I think you're I think there's something missing about this little thing. I think this man's been been prodding you probably for the the, the whole extent of your life. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I just wish that I had no filter when it came to talking to people as well. <laughs> so, guys, I mentioned we're going to be talking bus. We're each going to share five bus for this season. Um, before we do that, we do have a little bit of news. And uh, at the end of the show, we've got a new segment. It's called Who is the Most Likely To? And uh, so we're going to be doing stuff like Who's the Most Likely Player with an ADP Beyond the Top 50? to be a first-round pick next year. Um, so we're going to be getting into all that. First, though, I want to tell you all about our draft assistant. He helps you optimize picks during your draft with the least amount of stress, and the assistant comes in two separate forms, depending on the level of premium membership. Pro members can use our manual draft assistant, which is great for getting pick-by-pick advice and player suggestions during offline drafts. MVP and Hall of Fame members have access to our draft assistant with Sync, which allows you to sync your online draft with our draft wizard, and you get pick suggestions and high-quality advice throughout your draft. We support leagues on Yahoo, ESPN, CBS Sports, NFL.com, and many others. Both draft assistants consider your personal cheat sheet, team needs, positional scarcity to suggest players you should consider drafting. We even give you a running breakdown of your team's strengths and weaknesses as the draft progresses. The last thing you want to do during your draft is struggle with a complicated tool, so we've done everything we can to make our draft assistant an absolute breeze to use. Not only will you be familiar with the interface by the time you draft, since the default view is the same exact as our draft simulator, but you can also select a streamlined view that will allow you to see your draft room and the draft assistant on the same screen. Take the stress out of your draft and crush your competition with our draft assistant at fantasypros.com slash draftwizard. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash draftwizard. All right, so we do have a little bit of news to talk about. Obviously, it starts with Antonio Brown and, and the helmet. Last This time last week, we were talking about frostbite. Now we're talking about him maybe quitting football because he doesn't get to use his helmet. I've heard all kinds of conspiracies. Um, you know, maybe this is just a way to get him out of camp. Maybe he's got CTE uh, or, you know, maybe he's just being a child. I... I'm a believer of the conspiracy that it's a manufactured distraction to protect players from the distraction of hard knocks. What do you think, Tags? I, uh, yeah, I'm in the mindset right now that this is kind of like just like a, a media frenzy with Antonio Brown. I don't think there's any way he doesn't play football again because it sounds like they can get out of the contract if he decides he just doesn't want to play anymore and that he'd be walking away from millions and millions of dollars. I just think it's Antonio Brown just trying to get what he wants and, you know, Hard Knocks is like the fact that Hard Knocks is following them, just the, the, the alignment here just makes too much sense. Matt, do you believe any bit of this Antonio Brown not going to play football talk? I think the first question would be really, do I even care? Um, you know, um, because the answer is hell no, I don't care. But if we're going to break it down, I'll say this. I mean, if we're going to go just to, if we'll get rid of the, let's blame Antonio Brown. Let's be quick to jump on that end and talk about all sorts of wild things like CTE and, and, you know, and all of that. Let's, let's talk first about the fact that this is a high end performer and whether you're a high end performer on stage 
whether you're in music, whatever it is, we don't seem to make a big deal about performers who are, you know, who are artists when it comes to the demands that they want. Oftentimes we talk about how interesting or how necessary it is that an opera singer who comes down to perform at a local venue somewhere has a very, very specific list of what kind of tea they want, how hot the water has to be, you know, where, what kind of pillow they need to have, you know, all what the temperature needs to be in the hotel room. And if it is, they can't do this and it can't have a, you know, it can't have a vent here because it might affect their voice. Well, if you've been playing football for upwards of 15, 20 years, and you're used to a certain helmet and the sight line that it gives you, and it's your equipment. You know, I can tell you as someone who's played music at a, at a reasonably high level, that when your equipment's a little bit off, you can feel a little bit off. And if you can get away with keeping the equipment that you've had for 10, 12, 15 years, then you're going to keep it. And, you know, part of it is, is we make the assumption that the helmet is no longer safe. And that may very well be the case. But have we made... Could we also make the assumption that because the helmet was discontinued, it wasn't necessarily unsafe. It was just not a it was not a high seller. So they discontinued it. And the NFL just doesn't want to bother to have to try and certify a helmet that no one's going to use when it comes to the processes that they have. And they figured this wasn't really a big deal because nobody's really using this helmet. Well, Antonio Brown is now there's a big stink. So. I'm willing to even, sometimes I'm willing to go when I hear like the hordes like wanting to blame Antonio Brown and make him out to be a further clown show than what happened in, in Pittsburgh. I'm also more inclined to look the opposite direction because sometimes when people are going down the herd, it's just a bunch of idiots running in a direction who can't see what's going on. So, um, I don't really care, but you know, I thought I would offer that alternate take to this as why that's going on. Now, if it isn't safe, he's going to have to do something about that. He's going to have to wake up and, and obviously, you know, get a new helmet and deal with it. <laughs> so tags, where are you drafting Antonio Brown right now? I had him wide receiver nine. I've gone ahead and moved him down to wide receiver 14, just after Stefan Diggs, Keenan Allen. I wouldn't mind getting him. I think his ADP is going to fall quite a bit, but uh, there is quite a bit of risk here, too. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he passes up on $31 million because of helmet. You no, know, I, I have him in the tier with Keenan Allen uh, and Mike Evans. I'm not going to move him out of that tier just yet because I feel like the next tier is guys that are going to get targeted. They might have a little bit more question marks. But, uh, yeah, I'll keep him in the top 10 for now uh, unless we see him, like, out of the camp. Because like, we're supposed to hear about this this helmet grievance uh, relatively soon. So I would imagine it's all going to be solved. His feet are not going to be frostbitten. That's, I think, the bigger question here is that about the frostbitten feet and how long it takes for him to come back from that uh but i still have him in the top 10 but for uh, fortunately for me i'm not drafting a lot of wide receivers in that range i'd be glad to take leonard fournette at the uh, two three turn matt where do you have him ranked i have him in a i've him in a lower tier more of in the questionable tier and it had nothing to do with his feet it had nothing to do with this helmet it has to do with Derek carr the fact that Derek carr is not good in the red zone the fact that he's not great in the deep game and that he's not great under pressure and when you think about as as much of there was rancor with Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown, you have to understand that they also had a really strong rapport when they had to go off script. And I don't think that, you know, when you look at his receivers, Derek Carr's receivers, you know, Amari Cooper, who's doing well, who did really well in Dallas and Michael Crabtree, who was always known as a terrific technician um, all the way through, you know, to the very end of his career. And we'll see if his career continues. But 
you know, those are guys that communicate well with their quarterback normally. And those are guys that because they've seen so much of what Derek Carr doesn't do under pressure and doesn't do in the red zone, they often stop their routes against Derek Carr because they just kind of realize that the ball's probably not coming to them because he's going to wilt when the pressure comes. And Antonio Brown's used to having a quarterback who actually can create in those scenarios and, and make big plays. And I, and also in the red zone, it's a lot about rapport and decisive play and good diagnosis under pressure. And I think that I'm more worried about that. And I look at Brown as someone that I think that can be obviously still a fantasy worthy player, but where he's, his ADP is, I have him much lower. And, and I just don't think, I think a lot of it has to do with his relationship with Carr because I can see him, the biggest hard knocks moment we're going to have won't be on hard knocks. It's going to be when we watch do the lip reading on the sideline when he's yelling and screaming at Derek Carr for not being able to do his job. Yikes, what a disaster. <laughs> um, okay, guys, we got uh, three pieces of important information from the preseason games. A lot of times I think some of this is just uh, overblown. You know, someone sees someone performing against a third-team defense, they're like, oh, this guy's a superstar. Um, but it's really important when we see who's actually playing with the starters. I don't know if Dante Pettis is a lock to start in San Francisco. Uh, Mark Andrews, who a lot of people were thinking, hey, this is a breakout tight end. He's a tight end one. Uh, it looks like he's a part-time player. And then Robert Foster just completely buried in the depth chart. He didn't play at all with the starters. Tags, do any of these three concern you? You staying away from all three of them? Uh, no, no. I mean, no, nothing like pops off the page to me. And I don't want to overreact to one week of preseason. It's just like in season. You know, any player could have a bad game. Dante Pettis could have a bad game in the, in season. It doesn't mean we're going to drop him off our fantasy roster. It, it sucks to see him play into the second quarter. That's for sure. But guys like Robert Foster, like, we've heard this out of camp, that he wasn't running with the starters. I talked to people about that saying, don't draft Robert Foster because it's just like you're setting yourself up for disaster it's it's even if you're the number three receiver even if he is on the field with the starters I wouldn't be drafting him there's just way too much in uncertainty in that passing game I don't want to tie anybody to Josh Allen on a weekly basis so not Lamar Jackson either I would assume with Mark Andrews I mean yeah Mark Andrews I, there, there was no <laughs> game last year where Lamar Jackson completed more than 14 passes and when you add the pass catchers they have you know you, add, you have running backs now that can catch the ball out of the backfield uh, there's just not enough to go around for me to like Mark Andrews that much. I like him as a talent. I really do. I just don't think there's enough volume to go around to support him. And then, you know, a wide receiver or two. I, I'm not buying it. Yeah, I've got him tied in 18 right now. Matt, what do you think about these three? Yeah, I mean, starting with Robert Foster and Mark Andrews, I think both of those guys are fine guys to consider when you monitor for the waiver wire, because obviously the season isn't over. Or your, your work isn't over with the draft. So these are guys that should be on your short list. Um, for the first month of the season, because what may happen is John Brown gets hurt once again, um, Zay Jones um, disappears once again, and then Josh Allen is running around and, and throwing the ball up downfield to guys like Robert Foster. So it's a situation where the opportunity may come for him that may work out. Mark Andrews, I mean, certainly, you know, Lamar Jackson is a is a polarizing fantasy prospect. I tend to be on the higher side with what Jackson is going to be capable of doing. But Andrews is going to split time with multiple tight ends. He's a guy that also, you know, depending on how the offense has shifted a little bit, you may see him used in, in a smaller role. He's also a guy that he, he's going to give you value off the waiver wire if he gives you value. You're not going to have to go that high with him. Someone's going to drop Mark Andrews within the first four to six weeks, and then you can pick him back up if he's viable. Pettis is the most interesting one because there's been talk throughout camp that he has difficulty being able to separate against physical coverage and that he has to get a little bit stronger in that regard. And and they noted that he got stronger. But there's two things with Pettis' game that are a little odd. One is that, um, you know, even Garoppolo – 
um, commented that he it took him a little while last year and this year to get used to Pettis' game because he has an unusual way of running routes. It's not wrong. It's just a little unconventional because he's not a top speedster. He's not extremely strong, but he's very flexible and he's very good at being able to break open at the last moment. He's very good at tight coverage catches. So you have to really kind of, you know, just like Larry Fitzgerald, who was a player that Kurt Warner talked about having to get used to and how what a, a, an open window was. I think that's the same with Garoppolo and Pettis. And at the same time, too, it doesn't take away from Pettis's lack of physicality. He's going to have to figure out a way to get a little bit better with that. But he's going to be on the field. He's going to be in the rotation. Whether he starts or not, you know, it would be nice to have him start if you're going to draft him as high as where his ADP is. But if it falls a little bit, that would be a good thing. Um, and I think you're still going to get him at an appropriate value if it does fall because he will contribute this year and probably contributed a, at a nice level. Yeah, guys, I've got Dante Pettis as my wide receiver 38. I'm uh, not especially excited about him at his ADP right now. I do think it comes down, though, and, and I may get some shares, but that's a Kiki QT range for me. We'll see what happens with his ankle as it comes out. Now, guys, we're going to move over and talk about our bus. But first, I want to tell you about the first sponsor of today's show, Roman. Look, we all know guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee issue, bad back, or something gets worse. Guys are usually just more comfortable rubbing dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of this myself. That's why I tore my Achilles tendon last year. It's because I didn't get help when I needed it. The same is true for people with erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash FantasyPros and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. It's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to connect with a doctor. Just go to GetRoman.com slash FantasyPros to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash fantasy pros for a free visit to get started get roma.com slash fantasy pros all right so here's how we're going to do the bus segment guys we're going to start at number five and we're just going to go matt and then tags and then myself and we're going to count down so why don't you give us your number five here matt yeah let's go ahead and talk about probably a player who you know i just see is as overrated as as Cortland sutton um you know my i i had concerns about Cortland sutton pre-draft um, because he didn't have great hands position. He didn't really know how to run the full route tree. There seemed to be issues with effort at times at SMU. The, the Broncos seem to, you know, I like to pick on the Broncos. And, you know, the, the Broncos tend to, their media tends to be really buzzy about young athletes. And that's what happened all last year. And then, um, you, you know, then Chris Harris Jr., great cornerback, is like, hey, everybody slow down a little bit. This guy has to learn the route tree. Um, you know, he can jump up and win fade patterns. But guess what? Every receiver pretty much who enters an NFL camp can do that um, on a regular basis. And you saw him drop the ball a fair bit last year. He made some big plays. He made some mistakes. He wasn't getting open on a regular basis. And I just, I'm kind of in wait and see mode. And then when you combine it with Joe Flacco, combine the fact that Emmanuel Sanders, we still need, while there's lots of good signs there with him, we still need to see him compete against top end NFL corners who are playing intense 
football at high intensity, which you're not going to see in a camp atmosphere as often, um, to see whether he can even take coverage away. We know Noah Fant is still a little bit raw. He's another one of those athletes that I'm sure Broncos fans are going to be excited about throughout the year, but he's he's a big wide receiver learning the tight end position still. So Sutton's going to have a lot of pressure on him, and I just don't see him as a guy that's going to um, fulfill expectations as a fantasy starter. Now, Tags, when he said Cortland Sutton, I said yes, and you said yeah. And uh, I've got him wide receiver 56 right now. His ADP is so much higher than that. How low do you have him? Yeah, I have him down as the wide receiver 49 in my ranking. So I'm obviously lower on him. It's just a question of how low are you? And like knowing that his ADP is around the 36 wide receiver mark is kind of funny. And it's it's actually fallen a little bit because he was around the wide receiver 30, wide receiver 32. I have him on my list of busts. So I am going to completely agree with Waldman on this one. There's nothing that I like about Cortland Sutton. And judging the way that I do my strength of schedule in terms of like the consistency and what other teams allowed, Cortland Sutton has one of the worst schedules in the NFL this year. It's going to be a run first team. I don't trust Joe Flacco to support a wide receiver consistently. I don't trust Cortland Sutton. There's nothing that I trust about that situation. So yeah, I will own him on exactly zero teams this year. He's being drafted ahead of Larry Fitzgerald, Geronimo Allison, uh, Curtis Samuel. Uh, No way, guys. Come on. All right, Tags, who do you have as your number five? Well, I had Cortland Sutton. That's what I'm saying. Like, I legitimately had him on my list. I actually went down from round 10 up to round one, like trying to search for him. So I, in, in Cortland Sutton's going the ninth round. So that's actually, I had him at number five. Okay, why don't you give us another one then? All right. So the one that's going in the eighth round that completely blows my friggin' mind is Kareem Hunt. What? Do not draft Kareem. I don't care if he falls to you in the 16th round. Do not draft Kareem Hunt. Like, seriously, stop Amen. doing this. If, if he's there in the 16th <laughs> round, unless you're in a keeper format that you can keep him for the 16th round, maybe next year. Do not draft Kareem Hunt at all. The fact that he's going in front of guys, you know, like like he's going in the eighth round. There's a lot of guys he's going in front of. Don't draft him. I'm not even going to make this case. Nick Chubb's a better running back. Kareem Hunt isn't playing until week 10. There is no question about this. Like <laughs> exactly zero Kareem Hunt. Again, I don't care how far he falls. Don't draft him. Now, there's people listening to this. When they heard my reaction, I'm sure they thought that I'm disagreeing with you. I completely forgot about Kareem Hunt. I mean, we've, we've been talking about 250 <laughs> players here, Tags, and Kareem Hunt hasn't been on my mind whatsoever. His ADP is 36 for running backs? Holy moly, man. Now, Matt, it sounds like you disagree, so uh, why don't you uh, tell us what you think? Oh, no, I don't disagree. I'm amen in the whole thing. The whole <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, man. you were made- I thought we were going to have a big fight. I'm the same guy who rated Nick Chubb the best running back prospect to come out in the past five years, slightly edging out He's good. Saquon Barkley. And, you know, when you look at this, and it's just like, yes, you, there's someone listening here And if Nick Chubb gets hurt and Kareem Hunt blows up like he's capable of doing, they're going to say, oh, you guys were wrong. Well, that was you were right with the wrong process, my friend. Yes. Because (laughs) that's what really the, the issue is here. We know Kareem Hunt's talented. We know that he's capable of doing all those things. But listen, you know, Nick Chubb is the man in Cleveland. Nick Chubb is on his way as long as his Browns line blocks the way it did the second half of the season. He's on his way to being mentioned in the same tier as Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott and Le'Veon Bell and Alvin Kamara. He is on his way to that. Now, the thing is, is that, yes, it's nice to have Kareem Hunt after the suspension to come back. And if the Browns actually play to the level of their potential, 
Maybe they can rest Chubb a little bit and use Kareem Hunt. Or they get good enough play from guys like Orleans Darkwa and Dontrell Hilliard, and they can keep Hunt fresh and maybe trade Kareem Hunt before the trade deadline, before he comes off his suspension, to a team that really needs him, and they can profit from that. Or they wait till next year after he comes back on the field, gets a little bit of carries. The other team scouts look at him and say, yeah, he's pretty good, but this is Nick Chubb's offense as long as he's healthy. I've got Nick Chubb, RB7. Kareem Hunt is... uh... He's in my ranking somewhere, but it is way he's he's RB sixty right behind TJ Yeldon and Bruce Anderson. So I'm not drafting Kareem Hunt. You know it's really interesting too. We think Kareem Hunt is so good. Let's keep in mind Damian Williams was incredible in this offense last year, and he was an afterthought. It's just Andy Reid, so maybe Kareem Hunt really isn't that good. Now he's an electric athlete, I get that, but we'll see what he does outside of Kansas City if he even gets any snaps. So I'm going to take my number five here, and it's going to upset some people. I'm not an anti-Seahawks person, but Russell Wilson right now is being drafted way too high. I understand. I mean, if this is real life, yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson, he's the top five quarterback in the NFL. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. But in fantasy, volume matters. He threw 427 passes last year in 16 games. He ran the ball barely more than Aaron Rodgers, who had a broken leg, mind you. Russell Wilson last year had an 8.2% touchdown rate. If you regress that back to his career average going into the year, I mean, we're losing almost 10 touchdowns, guys. There, I, I don't think he has any chance, really, unless they increase his volume quite a bit. I don't think he has any chance to be a top 12 QB again. This one's tough. I mean, Matt, where are you on Russell Wilson in this, in this passing game? Because the Seattle defense is going to take a step back. That's happening. It is the second year under Schottenheimer. Uh, they've added, you know, obviously DK Metcalf and Gary Jennings. They have to throw the ball a little bit more this year, I, I would I would think, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that they will. But I think at the same time, too, this is this is one of my favorite offenses in the league because it's, it derives great consternation for all the people who just do simplistic charting and and talk a lot about um, game scripts and they whine and cry on Twitter about how you know how bad the, the the offensive game plan is and there is sometimes where it is very old fashioned and outdated but at the same time you know no one seems to make a big deal about the Patriots running the ball a lot or when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl and ran the ball a lot or the 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens and teams in the modern era that all seem to make the Super Bowl because they run the hell out of the football and I think that Seattle was also among that group and you have to understand that Russell Wilson has always been highly efficient he may not get you in the, the mid 30s and touchdowns this year if the efficiency goes down and we would expect it to do so some what but when you really look at his his data over the course of the years in terms of you know everything off script on script under pressure um, red zone deep passing accuracy it's incredibly high Dwayne McFarland and I have been doing a series on that and he literally has an argument to be the top quarterback in the league even though people like to make excuse about his height still Um, so I think the defensive argument is a sound one that they may have to go to the pass a little bit more and make Russell Wilson, you know, basically use his magic a little bit more often than what he did last year. But at the same time, you know, I think we have to understand that this ground attack is still good, though they didn't really have Doug Baldwin last year for much time. Um, And Tyler Lockett's going to get that Baldwin position. You've got a David Moore who's just apparently learned the full route tree and hasn't really gotten to test that full route tree against top competition yet in real games. And DK Metcalf, who, you know, obviously rookie and Jerron Brown, who can't seem to stay healthy. 
So when you and no real tight end to, to speak of unless Jacob Hollister really makes something of himself and he's not much of a blocker. So when you look at it from that perspective, how much rapport is really going to be there for Russell Wilson to, to maximize with with this receiving core? And I think the answer is it's going to be a little bit more up and down. But I still have him projected for about thirty seven hundred yards, thirty six touchdowns, seven interceptions you know, running for almost 400 yards and a score. And so I still have him in a level where I would take him as a committee quarterback easily at his ADP and know that I can pair him with somebody else um, and feel like I can play the matchups pretty well. So 36 touchdowns. How many passes are you projecting throws? 483. So I'm looking at a very, you know, I'm looking at 7.74 yards per attempt. 7.5 touchdowns per attempt in terms, and that's the second highest in the, in my projections to um, Patrick Mahomes, but it's within range of what we've seen him be able to do. So I'm very optimistic about him, but I understand the pitfalls. I just think that he also, with Metcalf, Metcalf is a better version of Kelvin Benjamin by far, but I think they'll use him like Kelvin Benjamin was used in his rookie year. And he was like a, you know, he was a double digit touchdown guy last year. I mean, as a rookie. So going to last year, he had just 5.7% uh, touchdown percentage and. Um, I understand it was really good last year, and 5.7 is quite good, but if we're looking at the historical greatest quarterbacks of all time, Tom Brady's sitting at like 5.5, Aaron Rodgers is sitting at 6.0, and we're projecting for 7.5. I'm sorry, I I can't do that, guys. I hear you. I just think times are changing, continuing to change in the NFL, and the NFL is getting more and more, as as one of my good friends would say, if run and pass are kind of like nutrition, passing is like sugar. And, you know, they love those empty calories, man. So it's, you know. All right. So, Matt, why don't you give us your number four here? Okay. Um, you know, a guy that, you know, that people will probably be drafting much higher than Russell Wilson, but I don't want any part of his Kirk Cousins with the Minnesota Vikings. He, you know, this is a guy who, despite earning 4,300 yards and 30 touchdowns last year, half of his games, he amounted to fewer than 250 yards. And he was a 19th ranked fantasy quarterback after week 12. And if you really look at it, the one consistent thing about Cousins has been his fantasy playoff slumps. From 2016 to 18, he's averaged 223 yards, a touchdown and a half, and nearly an interception per game between weeks 13 to 16. So that stretches from when he was quote-unquote comfortable with Washington to last year when he had the best one-two punch um, of receivers likely in the league when you look at Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs in terms of ability, and he still couldn't make the most of them. Um, you know, he's a guy who folds like a card table at the end of the year when teams start to figure him out and his arm gets a little bit tired and there's a lot of scouting that goes on there. And I don't want that inconsistency throughout the season because it does drive, you know, the highs and lows with the with his receivers, and you can see that in their data. And then I don't want to deal with that between weeks 12 to 16. I would rather deal with the the quarterbacks who do figure it out at the end of the year, even when their arm's a little bit weary. And Russell Wilson is a good example of a guy at the end of the year who seems to come on, you know, as opposed to, you know, a guy like Kirk Cousins. So even though the stats are attractive, I don't want any part of them. Tags, you know I'm a Kirk Cousins guy. I'm going to defend him here in just a moment. <laughs> now, you, now you tell me, Tags, what do you think? I have a lot of Kirk Cousins in best ball. 
Um, I will say that, but I view Kirk Cousins, he's a streamer is what he is. Like it, it basically, if I'm waiting that long at quarterback, even Russell Wilson territory, if I get to that point in the draft, I'm going to be streaming the position. I can get, I can grab someone like Lamar Jackson late in drafts. I can grab someone like Trubisky. Uh, I could draft any of those guys. You know what I mean? And I feel like those guys are going to give you performance very, very similar. Uh, and I think they give you a higher upside than someone like Kirk Cousins because Cousins always finishes as like a top 10 quarterback. It's kind of like uh, Dak Prescott in that aspect where it's like, they're going to finish as top 10 quarterback backs because they're available they've been able to stay healthy but if you look at over week over week like what do they offer you from an upside standpoint it's not generally that big so those guys are fine from a streaming standpoint if you know you can get a, a qb1 performance out of them great i'm not going out of my way to draft those guys it's more like i'm taking and i, I said on the show before there are like 18 to 20 quarterbacks i feel comfortable with now so i'm going to basically let my league mates decide what quarterback i'm going to roll with uh you know at the start of the season because they'll draft you know 15 of them and i'll just take the last one there uh, the highest one of my rankings at that point up until last year uh kirk cousins was qb8 qb5 qb6 and then qb13 last year and even then he had a 70.1 percent completion rate uh the, the only difference was his touchdown rate was fairly low I'm, I'm comparing him to Tom Brady right now most people think Tom Brady is the most accomplished quarterback of all time some say he's the greatest of all time in fact I would say most people would say that Kirk Cousins has a higher career completion percentage he has um more yards per game than Tom Brady Kirk Cousins is not a great real life quarterback but in terms of fantasy 600 plus passes in two of the last three years he did it in two different offenses he's got these two really good pieces I think that he's a lock to be a top 15 quarterback. If his touchdown rate finally spikes up like we saw with Matt Ryan a couple years ago, he could be a top five quarterback. I'm going to be in the middle on you guys in this one because I see both sides of this aspect. But again, I'm just streaming the, the position is all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you. I'm, I'm not drafting Kirk Cousins thinking he's going to win me a league. I'm just I've got him ranked quite a bit higher than everybody else does. So, uh, Tags, let's move on to your number four so we can keep this rolling. Well, I had number five and four already taken with uh, Cortland Sutton and then I said Kareem Hunt. So I, I, I guess I can go down to my number three bust being taken in the seventh round is Jordan Howard. Do not draft Jordan Howard in the seventh round. You know, if there's an injury to Miles Sanders, yeah, Jordan Howard's going to have flex appeal like he's going to be very 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 touchdown dependent think of it this way he's a worse version than Jay Ajayi and I'm not taking anything away from Jordan Howard's talent but he just doesn't fit today's NFL you know there's a reason that Matt Nagy traded away Jordan Howard from his offense the one that Doug Peterson runs a similar offense to you know under that Andy Reid uh, coaching tree Jordan Howard is like, he's not the best receiver on that team. He's not the best runner. I, I just feel like Miles Sanders is going to walk in and force, and force Jordan Howard down the depth chart. He might get some goal line carries, but like, think about it. Like, did you guys want to start LeGarrette Blunt when he was getting some goal line carries for them? No, you didn't. So I, Jordan, Jordan Howard is like LeGarrette Blunt 2.0 on that team. I feel like, yeah, I feel like he'll be a consistent RB4. And if you compile that over a full 16 game uh, sample size, like if he stays healthy, he's going to finish as a high end RB3, which is about where he's being ranked. He's one of these guys where I don't want to draft him where he's going to produce just because he's not really going to help you all that much. I don't even think he's going to produce there. They spent well, a fifth or a sixth round pick to get him. Uh, you know, Matt, where are you at on Jordan Howard this year? Would you draft him anywhere close to that seventh round price tag? Absolutely. <laughs> Wait, you would draft Jordan Howard? Yes, absolutely. And the reason is, is, you know, if I may, in my answer, I'll just go ahead and say my next bust is Miles Sanders. Yes, let's go, baby. Because here's the deal. <laughs> you know, Miles Sanders, he runs pretty. He's big. He's fast. He's agile. He played after Saquon Barkley. But even Doug Peterson's like, let's just wait till we get into the season and into a game to see if he can hold on to the frickin' football. Because there's a guy, this is a guy who fumbled the ball once every 36 attempts 
at Penn State. That's the lowest I've seen in years. And even when he had a huge number of fumbles with a small sample size of carries early, last year when he played, it was still once every like 54, which is awful. It's still atrocious. So, you know, I remember Bryce Brown, who was a better running back than Miles Sanders, but couldn't hold on to the football. I remember David Wilson, who was a better running back than both of those guys, who couldn't hold on to the football. I remember Stevon Ridley, who was a pretty darn good running back, who couldn't hold on to the football. Where are they all now? Because they're all young enough to still be playing football in the NFL and playing it at a high level, but they couldn't hold on to the football. And the problem is, is that when you have a track record that bad, I'm waiting for proof that you can do it. Because in the college game, there's usually two to three guys in every Big Ten or ACC or SEC team who can punch the football loose. Every Joe Schmo in the NFL has a sharpshooter mentality to get the ball out of the hands of a ball carrier. You saw it the other night against Chicago where a, a Carolina safety just basically took a right lead and just pounded the ball right through the through the arms. And it was a guy, I believe, that won't even be starting for the Panthers at, you know, right now. And I think that, for me, Sanders still tries a little too hard to be Saquon Barkley at certain times as a runner. He's not much of a pass protector. If Even if you don't love Howard as a player, I, I'm waiting for Miles My, Sanders to prove it because I think he's going absurdly too high. Um, and it's people in love with size, speed, and that kind of pedigree and not understanding fundamentals are a big key. I've learned that lesson with guys like Amir Abdullah. So when you look at Howard, he's one of the best blockers in the league, carries the ball, has very good ball security. He's a good red zone op- option. He's a guy who can um, handle the ball with lots of carries. Even dealing with injury and playing through it hard. He is not a great player, but he's a very sound running back. And I think that you get consistency out of that with him on a level where I just think that he's a guy that in that mid-round range, I'm willing to look at him there because I often try to look at the draft anyway as a way of turning things askew from what the conventions are doing. So I'm not worried so much about well, am I sticking to ADP? Am I hitting this one way or the other? Because there are guys that I feel really strong about who I might be drafting in the 8th to 12th round who I feel like are going to vastly outplay their ADP compared to guys who I might be drafting you know, somewhere between 4 and 8 who I know that might end up not performing as well. But the consistency factor of what I'm looking for there is going to continue to build a strong roster. And I think that um, Jordan Howard is going to be one of those guys. I take exception to the uh, idea that Miles Sanders is worse than all those guys. I'm not going to fight you, though. I've got Miles Sanders ranked lower than everybody else, too. I just don't want anything to do with this Philadelphia backfield is really what it comes down to. Uh, I don't trust Doug Peterson at all to give us any fantasy-relevant running backs. Yeah, sure, Miles Sanders is going to have a week or two where he scores 20 points. Jordan Howard's going to get in the end zone twice a couple of times. But most of the time, it's going to be a headache when you play them, even if they are talented, even if it's a great offense with a great offensive line. I'm not interested. All right, so I'm going to get to my next bust here in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about another one of our sponsors, Fantasy Draft. The only rake-free daily fantasy site in the business has partnered with Hooters to bring you the largest guaranteed rake-free contest lineup in the history of daily fantasy sports, including the $1 million Hooters kickoff. That's right. Fantasy Draft is hosting the first rake-free contest with a guaranteed prize pool of a million dollars. Listen, as other fantasy sites continue to raise rake, prize pools are being squeezed, making it harder for players like you to win. 
Whether you call it rate, commission, or management fees, the days of paying 10, 12, or even 15% or more of your entry fees to fantasy companies is now over. No longer will you lose 30% of your bankroll to the house. Only on Fantasy Draft are 100% of entry fees paid to our contest winners. 100% of the time. To access all of Fantasy Draft's exclusive rake-free contests, including the Hooters Million Dollar Kickoff, all you need to do is become a member. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com today with promo code FANTASYPROS, all one word, and you'll get a free 7-day trial membership. That's FantasyDraft.com, promo code FANTASYPROS. Don't miss your shot at this incredible million-dollar rake-free contest, and it's $100,000 top prize. Now, guys, I'm going to give my number four and number three together just so we can keep it moving along. Uh, Number four, I've talked about this quite a bit if you've been listening for a while. Is Eric Ebron as a bust? Um, Yeah, he wasn't the starter going into last year. But did you know that when Jack Doyle came back in the second half last season, after Eric Ebron was tearing the NFL up, Jack Doyle had twice as many snaps. He had almost twice as many targets as Eric Ebron, too. Eric Ebron's good. He's going to, you know, get some touchdowns here and there. I don't know if he's starting for Indianapolis, though. And here we are drafting him as a top 10, top 8 tight end. I'm not doing that. And then number three, going back to the Seahawks again, it's Tyler Lockett. You guys have heard me talk about this a lot when I'm giving my uh, David Moore love. I just don't believe Tyler Lockett is going to be that wide receiver one type who leads the team in targets. We've never seen him four years in the league. Tags, you've mentioned this, just like Chris Hogan last year. We've seen who he is, four and a half targets per game is the most he's had in four years. Uh, I just think he's a gadget receiver. He's a really good one at that, but I don't think he'll be the number one. And plus, Russell Wilson just doesn't throw that much. Obviously, we know the touchdown rate is it's got to come down. One in every, what was it, uh, seven targets, Tags? Yeah, Lockett last year, yeah. He, uh, he scored a touchdown. I think it was every 7.1 targets or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you look at this. I mean, for me, I would say you look at Lockett and now he's going to play in Doug Baldwin's role. That means that when you play in the slot, you have a lot of two-way goes, which is the easiest way to, to do things. That's why guys who are on Twitter are mistaking Andy Isabella as a god right now because they're watching him in camp run two-way goes on drills designed for him to win routes. Um, and Tyler Lockett, though, is getting the opportunity where he's going to be playing in situations where he's going to get more of the targets. And so I look at the situation and I believe that um, he is a guy that has a chance to be a wide receiver one. He's going to, obviously, his yards per reception efficiency is going to go down. His touchdown efficiency is going to go down. But the yards are going to go up. The receptions are going to go up because he isn't going to be playing on the outside as much. And when he does, they're going to be moving him around to certain situations that are advantageous. I think that's the difference between being a guy who's a matchup-friendly receiver in terms of they create matchups for him that he can win and he can do it in a number of different ways and being a gadget guy. I was going through my list of busts, and I, I've recently done a top 10 list, so I, I didn't put Tyler Lockett in that top 10, but he was someone that I considered just because of where he's being drafted, but the the reason that I won't put him on a bust list is because of who he plays with. He plays with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is a top five quarterback in the NFL, and you know he does usually keep his wide receivers relatively efficient. I do worry about the target numbers for Tyler Lockett, but his efficiency should not be as bad as some people would regress to is is my thought process in terms of him playing in the slot more because he was really good out of the slot so I mean I, I won't draft him where he's going as like the 24th 25th receiver off the board but if you have him as your wide receiver three I'm okay with Tyler Lockett I think he's pretty safe I just don't think that he's I mean I think you're drafting him at what his ceiling is so that's why I'm not interested now Matt we're going to move on to you why don't you give us your number three and number two here well I think I've already kind of given my number three in Miles Sanders so we talked okay. about that nice. already So, you know, a number two guy, I guess, that we would take a look at here, it's between two guys. And I'm going to go ahead and say it's Philip Lindsay. And and I think, you know, for me, 
Philip Lindsay's a, you know, I think he's a good gap scheme runner. I think he's going to r- run well in outside zone. But this is an offense that the Broncos have already said we are going to run it with the distribution that's similar to Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. And then you've add in the fact that we know who Devonta Freeman's going to be. It's not going to be Philip Lindsay. It's going to be Royce Freeman. And Royce Freeman, the only reason he really didn't play last year is that he had a high ankle sprain during the year. And they didn't get, were able to get a really great split. And Lindsay played so well in that gap scheme that they just kept going with it. Um, but now with Royce Freeman getting the goal line carries, getting probably the majority of touches as, a, as an interior runner and really in the scheme as a whole, Philip Lindsay's now in that Coleman role, which means you're going to get some touches inside the 20, but not inside the five. It's you're going to get some looks as a receiver out in the flats and in space, which he does really well with. But then came along Theo Riddick, who was probably one of the best space-playing receivers in the NFL. Now, yes, he broke a shoulder blade, and he may not be ready to begin the season, but he's expected to be back within the first two to three games. And he already lit up camp, you know, like early on doing what he does well. And Philip Lindsay isn't known as a great receiver. So now Philip Lindsay's reduced to splitting the Tevin Coleman role. And we saw Tevin Coleman was like kind of a low-end running back two in 12-team leagues on a regular basis. He never really reached that RB1 ceiling. So when you look at it from that perspective, it's going to take injuries to two players for Philip Lindsay to fulfill his ADP or exceed it. And I think that there are many more ways how his value could be usurped by the other two players than it could actually be bolstered. So I'm not I'm not looking at Philip Lindsay where he currently is. Tags, we're talking about a lot of guys we haven't really talked about, and I think there's a reason we haven't talked about Philip Lindsay. Where do you have him ranked? I've got him as my RB34. I'm not especially excited about him. I have him at RB24. Um, I'm obviously not expecting the performance he had last year. I'm expecting more of like a, because last year it was a 61-39 split between him and uh, Freeman based on the, the whole year-end totals. I know Freeman had an ankle sprain, Lindsay missed week 17, yada yada, but it was it was like a 60-40 split essentially, whereas like this year I think it's going to move closer to 55-45, and, and Lindsay played out of his mind last year i don't want to discount that but over a thousand rushing yards yeah yeah with theo riddick like being out six to eight weeks i wonder if they if they maybe just say we're, we're going to move on from him you know it's like that's like possibly a whole month of the season and knowing he was only with the team for a week before that happened i just don't know if they're going to stick with him philip Lindsay's one of those guys where i don't mind having on my roster i'm not aiming to get him um i i could probably wait and just grab someone like lamar miller or get someone like rashad penny and i'm probably going to get similar results so He's in like that tier of running backs where it's like I can make a case for a lot of those guys in that range. And, you know, when, when we see Royce Freeman kind of break a long run in the preseason, it's a little worrisome, right? Because Royce Freeman has been gaining momentum and a lot of people have been talking about him. I like Royce Freeman as a player. I just think Philip Lindsay is probably the better three down back in terms of like all around skill set. But it might go back to the role that we kind of thought might happen after week one last year. After week one, I was like, OK, Philip Lindsay's a player. Obviously, he's going to be in the league, but this is still Royce Freeman's backfield. It's got to be right. And does that happen this year or do we continue to like downgrade Philip Lindsay? I think he's like a high end RB three is how I would view him. Um, and you can, you just kind of hope that the timeshare remains the same as it was last year. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I don't think that Philip Lindsay is a bad pick. He's just in that range from, you know, RB 27 to RB 36, 37, 
I'd be glad with any of those guys. I just can't put them ahead of, um, you know, that tier of Mark Ingram, Tevin Coleman, Lamar Miller, uh, James White, Latavius Murray. So I won't have any shares of, of uh, Philip Lindsay. Now, Tex, why don't you give us your number two? Yeah, my number two, uh, he's a guy that I've been talking about on the show a lot, so I don't need to dive into it too much, but it's Robbie Anderson. Being drafted as, as a top 36 wide receiver, no. He's not someone you could trust. You know, like look at last year um, without Le'Veon Bell, without Jamison Crowder, without Adam Gase, which, by the way, is a negative. Um, without those guys in the roster, Robbie Anderson was to be a wide receiver three last year. I want to say that the mark was like you had to score like 11 PPR points. It's not a big game. It's like six catches for 50 yards. That's not hard to do if you're a good receiver. Robbie Anderson hit that mark 28.6% of the time. Like, that's terrible, okay? Like, he was wildly inefficient. And I like Robbie Anderson as a player. I think he's fine. I don't think he's an elite talent by any means. And they brought in Jamison Crowder, which is a pretty big deal. They're saying he could get 100 receptions. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like there's just too many moving parts here. Adam Gase coming in, running his slow-paced offense. You know, they have a young defense that's gotten better this offseason. I, I do expect them to want to run the ball with Le'Veon Bell a bit more. I just don't expect this to be a very efficient offense. It's the opposite of Seattle. I don't want to bet on the Jets passing offense to, to you know, prop a player up into that top 36 territory to rely on as an every week fantasy starter. If you get Robbie Anderson as like a wide receiver four, wide receiver five, I'm okay with that because like you could look at the matchups where the Jets are going to have to throw a little bit more and like, okay, Robbie Anderson could beat this corner. But I, eh, Matt, where are you at on Robbie Anderson? I'm kind of agnostic about the whole thing. I mean, I just take a look at this and again, I agree with you. I think he's a good player. I think that he's someone that it depends on how this offense is really going to evolve and what the realistic you know, there's a theoretical that we talk about during the year with the beat writers and with the coaches talking about, and then what's actually happens on the field. And I think he's one of those players that I would absolutely feel comfortable with as my fourth or fifth or sixth wide receiver. And knowing that he may outplay his ADP um, because of his ability and because now he's with a, a quarterback who's had his second year in the league and he's not playing with a bunch of slappies that he'd played with before. And, and he was good at times down the stretch, again, with some of those slappies that he, he was performing with. So I, I think there's promise for him, but it, it is kind of a let's see some proof type of situation. Tags, this is really funny, man. He's being drafted ahead of Allen Robinson? That's that's madness. Madness, I tell you. Robbie Anderson, wide receiver 29. It's really funny. Every guy we've talked about here on today's show, except for Kirk Cousins, there might have been one other. I've had a lot lower than uh, than the ECR, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised to see Robbie Anderson in the top 30 wide receivers. I've got him down at, at 42. Um, yeah, I mean, give me Christian Kirk, give me Sterling. Sh oh, I would rather have Robbie Anderson than Sterling Shepard. And I'd rather, and not to be honest with you, we could probably do an argument about Allen Robinson too, but that's because I'm not high on Allen Robinson, but yeah, but I hear you guys, but yeah, Sterling Shepard is like, he's a guy you should never draft. If you ask me, just because he's a, he's a 40 degree day. If you ever watch the wire, it's like whoever gets excited about a 40 degree day, unless the defense is decimated and they can't cover my my Aunt Sally, then you're not going to get big games out of Sterling Shepard, if you ask me. I think that's fair. Not big games, but I'll take 120 targets in the ninth round, 10th round all day if I need a wide receiver four. So I, I don't love Sterling Shepard. I just really don't love Robbie Anderson. Again, uh, he's got the he's got the single most difficult schedule for wide receiver tags. You said it was someone else earlier, but um, from my research, it seems to be Robbie Anderson. So all right, I'm going to give my number two and number one. But first, I want to talk about Manscaped, who is number one in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. So look, friends, every single person who's attempted to groom below their belt knows that uh, you've probably got a story where things didn't quite go right. I told a story last time about a friend in college who almost lost his manhood as a result of one of these, uh, let's just say, grooming accidents. 
Luckily, Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer specifically to prevent incidents like those. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology so that this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accents are finally a thing in the past, and don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. Guys, that's nasty. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You're already putting deodorant on your armpits. Why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANTASYPROS at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANTASYPROS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the code FANTASYPROS. Your balls are going to thank you. All right, my number two, and I think a lot of people have been waiting for this one because obviously he's got a lot of bust potential. Now, granted, he could vastly outperform his ADP, but Damian Williams, and we're talking about a guy who's probably going to split the backfield with Carlos Hyde. That's what Andy Reid's telling us, at least. He could be a liar, sure. Um, but it, it seems at this point that it's going to be a split backfield committee of death. I don't want any part of that where uh, Damian Williams' ADP is going. And then my number one, uh, if, if you've been listening for a while, you knew this was coming. It's Will Fuller. First of all, I don't trust the ACL as much as some other people. Um, you know, whenever you get these injuries, it was nine months ago at this point. Um, I know Kiki Kiki's banged up a little bit, so we're going to see if Will Fuller's ADP continue to rise, but he's been extremely touchdown dependent in his career. I, I think that's unsustainable. I mean, to an extent, it's going to be better in the rest of the league because Will Fuller is talented, but coming off the ACL, I think he's the number three in this offense. When you look at the targets he had when Kiki QT was on the field, he was the distant number three, and he's being drafted as though he's a wider, a healthy wide receiver too. Matt, where are you at on, on Will Fuller? Yeah, I mean, Will Fuller was actually in consideration on this list for me as well for similar reasons as Bobby. So, you know, it's an extremely talented, great route runner, to be honest. He's really developed into a great route runner, but it is a situation where – can you really trust the knee? How long is it going to take? And also, a lot of these guys who are extremely fast are wound pretty tight. And when they're wound pretty tight, things tend to pop or pull or strain. And, and then you have compensatory injuries. And I'm a little concerned about this year as his comeback year. Anything to say about Damian Williams or is this just kind of a gimme, guys? Um, Damian Williams is my number one guy. Uh, yeah, all right. And he's been my number one guy, you know, well before this because, to be frank, you know, he's I've watched Damien Williams since he was touted when Football Outsiders did their speed score and they asked me to write about it when I was on staff. So I wrote about guys who had high speed scores and and talked about what I thought actually on film from when I saw them. And Damien Williams obviously has great speed. He has good size and he doesn't use either one extremely efficiently when you talk about running between the tackles because football playing as a running in terms of the running back position what a lot of the running backs don't matter type of crowd doesn't understand about the game is some of them go too far and say that they're just instinctive players and they're not very skilled and they couldn't be more wrong I mean it's actually I mean the guys aren't idiots who say it but it's idiotic to say it because really it's not understanding how much skill goes into reading the offensive line and the, and anticipating how the blocking scheme is going to be different from what's actually the defense is trying to do. Um, the footwork and patterns of footwork, you have to spend years learning and learning to be able to do it at the speed of instinct. Everything that top running backs do is at the speed of instinct and they make it look instinctive and look easy, but there's a lot of work and a lot of diagnostic skill and judgment that has to go into doing this all at a high degree uh, of ability. And when you look at Damian Williams, he's just merely competent in between the tackles. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. He's a decent blocker. But here's the thing. 
I would argue that Carlos Hyde, who was in the middle of a dysfunctional, you know, soap opera in Cleveland and then traded to a Jaguars team that didn't have a quarterback and his offensive line was destroyed, is a is a better player. You know, he's a better he may not be as good of a receiver, but he's a better runner between the tackles. He's a more effective um, goal line inside the five green zone type of player. And then you have Darwin Thompson, who I've absolutely loved and have rated very high in the RSP as a guy who I've described as Deion Lewis with thump or maybe more of a Brian Westbrook type of player. And you see he was in my top five backs. He was among my top five backs last year or, or this particular draft season. And when you look at what he did. He's been doing, there's a steady drumbeat about how he's playing. Andy Reid mentioned him as one of the part of that committee that they're looking at. His his performances are translating into the games thus far. And I wouldn't be surprised. You see this as kind of like Philip Lindsay in the way that Carlos Hyde could usurp some of those red zone carries and some of those closeout carries. And then you have Darwin Thompson who could usurp or siphon off some of those third down looks if he can um, pass protect with any decency. So I see more ways where Damian Williams loses at his ADP than he wins. I agree with that. And uh, Darwin Thompson, you mentioned him. He could be a league winner. I'm not saying you need to draft him, but keep him in mind on waiver wire speed dial. Now, Tags, you've got the last one. You're number one before we move on to the final segment. Yeah, mine's Le'Veon Bell. Um, And this all comes down to uh, where they're being drafted. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is a first round pick right now. I would take Nick Chubb over him. There's a lot of players I would take over him, especially like the wide receiver position too. Uh, It's all about opportunity. And uh, you are at the end of the year. I mean, if you draft Le'Veon Bell and he stays healthy for 16 games, you're you're not going to sit here and say, oh, he was like the biggest bust. No, but like David Johnson last year. He finishes a top 12 fantasy running back, but ask anybody that drafted David Johnson in the first round if they won a fantasy championship because David Johnson was on their team. In the first round, you should get a player that's helping you win a fantasy championship. Le'Veon Bell is not going to be doing that. Yep, that's a perfect point. Horrible offensive line. Yeah, the volume's probably going to be there, uh, but it's it's nowhere near the same offense as Pittsburgh. Matt, do you have any closing remarks on Bell before we move on? No, I mean, I think that it's, I think that's, those are fair points. I mean, I, I think at the same time, too, we're going to get a chance to see Le'Veon prove a little bit that he's um, more than just a product of the Pittsburgh offensive line. All right, guys, we're going to move on to our next segment, most likely players to do blank. Uh, before we do that, I want to remind you all, we're on Instagram. We're at Fantasy Pros, and Tags and I are both at the same handles that we use for Twitter, at Bobby Fantasy Pro, at Mike Teglier NFL. Give us a follow. We're starting to produce a lot more content on Instagram. Again, that's at Fantasy Pros. All right, guys, so uh, we got a couple from our, our Twitter audience, and the first one is from uh, Bradner. He says, who is the most likely running back rounds three through six to have the fewest bus games? You can't say James White. It has to be someone else. So he just wants a safe running back in rounds three through six. Tags, do you have someone? Oh, safe running back in rounds three through six? Jeez. I, um, I mean, Leonard Fournette, if he's on the field. <laughs> But we, we can't we can't say that he's going to have zero bus games. It's just, you know, if he plays, uh, I will go with I will say Chris Carson. Me, too. That's what I was going to go with. Uh, and we're going to do this as kind of a, like a lightning round. No analysis, really. Let's just give quick hitting answers that we can get through a lot of them. So who do you have, Matt? Make it three. Chris Carson. All right. Moving on from fantasy failure. Most likely to end the year top 24 at their position. But you'll hate having them on your team. I like this one a lot. <laughs> Can I say Le'Veon Bell? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good answer. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could say any quarterback because you could be streaming. And the average streaming quarterback is higher than, you know, what, QB5 by the end of the year just because of the matchups. But maybe I'll say Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's a good one, too. That offense right now is just. Yeah. Hey, having them on your team, it has to be like, you know, where you drafted them, the value of it. So 
That's so tough. It's so tough not knowing what these questions are beforehand. I probably could have come up with some better answers, but uh, this is off the top of the head. Yeah. I'll go Leonard Fournette just because I think he's he's like a runaway truck when his ankle's healthy, um, or that actually has some steering, and when it isn't, it's, it's basically careening over the median. I'm going to go with Marlon Mack um, just because he's going to just – whenever they have a, a negative game script – I think he's going to be phased out by Naheem Hines, and that is not going to be ideal if you have him on your team. Next one, this is from MuscleTech33. Most likely to lose their starting job by midseason. I think we already talked about this player. <laughs> Damian Williams? Yep. Yeah, da- yeah, Damian Williams. That was, Yeah, I, I, got, I probably shouldn't even pick this one just because I figured we were all going to talk about Damian Williams. So let's go with this one, okay? Uh, these are a couple that I made up. Most likely player with an ADP beyond the top 50 to be a first-round pick next year. Hmm, to be a first-round pick, that's really tough to do. I mean, there's every single year it seems like somebody makes that leap, right? Yeah, but it's so tough. Uh, James Conner was the guy. James Conner was being drafted in, in 13th, 14th round last year before the bell holdout. He's being drafted ninth overall right now. Devontae Adams the year before. Well, most likely, obviously, it's going to be a running back or wide receiver because I'll, I'll give you two guys that will fit that mark. One of them is Darius Geis if he's healthy, okay? Um, even though that offensive line is... You know. Yeah, with Trent Williams, he's probably not going <laughs> to play for them. <laughs> but, you, you know, certainly that can be a guy that w- that we can consider that. You know, and, and then I guess adding a guy, we can add this again too, and let's do this. This is the easy one. Kareem Hunt, because if he gets traded to, to another team... Mm, it's possible, yeah. You know, by the Browns. He's likely to, to make that rebound. Yeah, um, I'm going to go with a player that we already talked about again. I'm going to say Chris Carson. Uh, he's being drafted as uh, 51 right now is his average ADP. So that's outside the top 50 as far as I'm concerned. So I'm going to go with Chris Carson. I, I think I just think people are having trouble. Smooth. I think people are having trouble uh, saying this because they've only seen it one year with Chris Carson. But the dude is just like he's legit. And that team does run the ball 30 times per game. Yeah, I'm going to go with um, Justin Jackson. And this would only happen if they do Ooh, trade like Melvin you. Gordon. But uh, I know Austin Eckler, he's, he looked good in his first preseason game. He fumbled on the goal line. He did fumble on the goal line, and Justin Jackson pounded in for a four-yard touchdown. When I watch Justin Jackson play, he's got so much agility. You know, when he's running through those holes, he finds holes that don't really exist. And then he gets in the open field, and he can make people miss. If he's playing in this offense with the Chargers, I think Austin Eckler stays in his role, and Justin Jackson takes the Melvin Gordon role. I think Justin Jackson's a great—he's a really good football player. So uh, it would take a Gordon trade. But let's move on to the next one here most likely wide receiver to perform like a superstar if his team's number one gets hurt calvin ridley that's what i was gonna say too yeah or mike williams mike williams is a good one too chris godwin yeah all three of those guys if if kiki qt were healthy i would put him on the list Um, matt i love you so much for saying that (laughs) i'll add i'll add two more real quick marcus valdez scantling he's he's developing and he's going to be a star in this league. And I think that if Devontae Adams goes out, he's on his way to being that kind of guy. And I'm going to give you a way out there one. A.J. Brown, who is currently hurt and fourth on the depth chart, he was performing like the best receiver in camp for the Titans early on, and I think he's a stud. If you think of Magic Johnson and what he could do in basketball in terms of playing every position on the court and playing it well, I think A.J. Brown is that kind of player for wide receivers. All right, guys, next one. Most likely to be this year's Nick Chubb. So started as the backup, finished the season as a league winner. No one. Uh, yeah, that's probably a good one. <laughs> I mean, doesn't it happen every year, though? I mean, granted, some of these guys were in the preseason where, you know, Alvin Kamara, James Conner, Nick Chubb, 
I'll give you one. And most of the fantasy community hates it. And I, it makes me laugh. Alexander Madison, because. Oh, man. <laughs> because most people look at him and they're so metric oriented in, in ways that are a little bit cockeyed that they don't understand. Again, the processing game and quickness is more important than straight line speed. And he is already a very well-developed processor and executor between the tackles. He, he's already been training in a way that he understands how to stay healthy during the year. That's probably going to come back and bite me as I said that. But he has done that <laughs> um, very well from last year, two years ago at Boise State to last year. He's a very strong receiver, incredibly smart kid, and he's already the number two. And we know Dalvin Cook hasn't had high volume since his second year at Florida State, I believe. Second or third year at Florida State. And that's different than playing in the NFL. And I think that if Dalvin Cook gets hurt again, you're going to see um, Alexander Madison be the top back and be able to carry the load. Tags, I've got five names. So why don't you give me your name here? I'm surprised you didn't rattle off on Mike Boone as a name there, Bobby. Um, that's that's his boy. Mike Boone's been my guy forever. I'm so, I love him. I, love him. I hope he gets traded. And if he got traded to Dallas, oh man, I'd be so pumped. I draft him first overall. Be behind Tony Pollard and Tivon Austin, and oh god, no, he would not get that out of here. Tags, all right, who's your guy? I'm gonna say that it's Damian Harris. Oh, he was one of my names, yeah, yeah. Sony Michelle's had two knee procedures in the last year, in the last 12 months, I should say. I said it in his player profile before I knew he went to the Patriots. I said he's gonna be a player that coaches love. Like legitimately, he does what he's asked. He does it very well. Um, he's he's not like super. He's not like elite in anything. I wouldn't say, but he is. He's Pierre Thomas with more size. Yeah, that's actually I, I like it. I actually compared Josh Jacobs to a Pierre Thomas type player. Um, I, I felt like that's what he, the role he played. I guess at Alabama, where it's like. I don't know how it's going to translate for Josh Jacobs. There's a lot of question marks I have, but Damian Harris, I don't have any questions about the player he is. All right, here's a couple names for you. I already mentioned Justin Jackson. Justice Hill's my guy, um, so I'm going to mention him as well. I don't believe the Tony Pollard thing, so I'm not going there. Uh, Jalen Samuels, if anything happens to James Conner, uh, you mentioned Damian Harris. That's a good one as well. Darwin Thompson we talked about earlier. I think Malcolm Brown would be the number one if Todd Gurley was to go down and Daryl Henderson would be, um, you know, kind of like we talked about before, the, the Tevin Coleman type. So This isn't multiple choice, Bobby. You have to give one. All right. I'm, I'm going Justice Hill then, obviously. <laughs> Justice Hill, <laughs> big go. time. All right. Final one here, guys. All right. Most likely non-top six tight end. So Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram rounding out the list. Most likely to finish in the top three tight ends. <laughs> God, can, okay. So can I give, can I have three quick ones and just name you the one after that? That really is it. Go ahead. Yeah. Bobby already cheated the rules anyways. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> since he gave it, I'm going to, uh, you know, he, he cracked the door. I'm going to bust through it. TJ Hawkinson. I'm not a big tight end. Rookie tight ends do anything good because usually they're big receivers who can't block or they're big blockers who can't really run routes. But TJ Hawkinson is actually both. He's the highest rated tight end that I've had in the rookie scouting portfolio in several years. And watching some of the things, I'm not a big, ooh, training camp play videos are great and they're going to translate. But some of the plays I've seen from him in training camp, they will translate and they're impressive. He's he's on my list as a guy I'm, I'm just waiting to take. Um, Jason Witten. Jason Witten is a guy, you know, tight ends, when they get older, who are really top players, their cliff tends to drop down. Sl- it's, a, it's a slower, it's not a cliff. It's actually just kind of a slow decline. And so they're very good at running routes and getting open and being high volume players and reliable in the red zone. Witten's going to be that guy. And Greg Olson, who I think has enough left athletically. And that's my guy right there. I think Greg Olson, Cam Newton loves him. He's going to be good. Tags, I can't decide between uh, Jordan Reed, Jack Doyle. 
And if anything would happen to Zach Ertz, I'd put Dallas Goddard there right away. So I, I guess I'm going to go with Jordan Reed. Who do you have, Tex? Those are good ones. I like yours. I mean, and TJ Hawkinson. I mean, I am I am anti rookie tight ends, so it's like it's tough for me to go there, especially when you have you know Marvin Jones and uh, uh, Galladay there as the big red zone options, where it's like you know touchdowns would require them to get up there. So I'm going to go with a player that I've been a little concerned about, but he's still really young. And it's his third year in the league. David Njoku, you know, like he, playing with Baker Mayfield has its benefits, right? And Odell Beckham also playing with alongside him also has its benefits. Uh, so it's like David Njoku is no longer the focal point of that offense where it's like, he's going to get some mismatches with some linebackers. And the dude's just a physical freak. Um, it was always, everybody knew it was going to take time with Njoku coming out of college that he wasn't like a polished tight end, but you know, I'm hoping that we see him continue to grow because I would love to see him atop the tight end rankings. He's so fun to watch. Yeah, that's a good one, Tags. All right, guys, that's all for today's show. Matt, really appreciate you taking the time to uh, come chat with us today. Always my pleasure, fellas. And thanks to the sponsors of today's show. First of all, Manscaped, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANTASYPROS, all one word, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the promo code FANTASYPROS. Check out Fantasy Draft as well. The rake-free revolution is here. Go to fantasydraft.com and use the promo code FANTASYPROS and you'll get a free seven-day trial membership. Again, that's FantasyDraft.com, promo code FantasyPros. And also for Roman, where you can go to GetRoman.com slash FantasyPros to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Check out GetRoman.com slash FantasyPros. Also, don't forget to check out our draft assistant. Again, that's FantasyPros.com slash DraftWizard. For Mike Teglier and Matt Waldman, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve